Thank you very much, Doug. Our next speaker tonight is uh, Gary Brennan. Gary is um, General Manager of Government and External Relations at Bicycle Network Victoria. And I've put his PowerPoint somewhere here. Okay, thank you very much for, for uh, so many of you turning up tonight. It's amazing what free food will do in a university. <laughs> very clever, Alec. Very clever. Um, you probably you know about Bicycle Network and you know what we do. Some people call us the RACV of bikes. The RACV wouldn't like that, I'm pretty sure. Um, but we're big. We've got nearly 50,000 members, so that makes us on a per capita basis probably the most successful bike organisation in the world. But that's not the really unique thing about us. The unique thing about us has, is that since the start we've been a data-driven organisation. Evidence-based policy is at the core of our DNA and that is unusual for a bike organisation. For us it's not what we believe, it's what we know. Bikes are not simply righteous, but they're right. So we've been fighting with data and with reason and I think we've done a fantastic job of reshaping Melbourne over the last decade. And it's that data-driven perspective which is interesting to consider in the light of what's happening with the East-West project. because there is no data, or virtually no data. And there's not much reason either. But there is one thing I can guarantee about the East-West, if it gets built, and that is that it will make the economics of every past and future bike infrastructure project look absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Now, I want to go back in time a little bit to the M1 project, which was the last, one of the last big freeway projects we had in Melbourne. Um, we, we went out and did a count in February 2011. We stood on, I think it's the McRobertson Bridge, and we counted how many cars came into the city in the peak hour two hours in the new lane that had just been built and we counted how many bikes came in along the Yarra bike trail and the figures are up there. Now if we were to do that count now the numbers of bikes would almost be up to the level of cars and it won't be long before there are more bikes than cars on that stretch. Now the whole M1 project cost $1.4 billion. Um, now, that paid obviously for more than one lane because of an extra lane in both directions. But it's built for the peak hour peak. And so that's, that gives you an idea of the comparative capacity of those two projects, the Yarra bike lane and the $1.4 billion uh, freeway. Now, 
the really key fact here is that one kilometre of freeway can be built for the same cost as 300 kilometres of bike lane. So you can see where I'm heading here, and that is that bikes are so much more cost effective than freeways or than, than these big road projects at getting people around. Vastly more cost effective, not just a little bit, vastly more. And that brings up the point, I think, that gets forgotten so often. I mean, what are we talking about with transport? For us, it's people past a point. We go out and we, we measure all the time. At Bicycle Network, we're crazy about data. And we have our Super Tuesday bike count. And we get the data from the City of Melbourne Cordon count. And we get the data from the Vic Roads loop counters on the bike path network around Melbourne. There's counting going on all the time. We're getting that data all of the time. We can find out how many people are on a bike lane or on an off-road bike path. We can compare the numbers from a bad bike lane to an improved bike lane. We know what a dollar buys. And a dollar of bike infrastructure buys us an awful lot of people past a point. And we're proud of that. And we think it's make, that's one of the things that's making a fantastic difference to the sort of city Melbourne is. Now, can you make out what we're looking at up there? This is a diagram several years old now. But it tells you the number of people going across the East River in New York on the four bridges, Brooklyn, Manhattan, Williamsburg and Queensborough. And the interesting thing about that is that the centre column is the peak. And you can see, if we're counting people, not vehicles, you can see when the peaks were. 1907, 1939, 1924, 1940. So as we've moved to private car-based transport, our capacity to move people has gone backwards. We've gone backwards a long way. And so what does this tell us? It tells us we're counting the wrong things, doesn't it? It tells us that our thinking is fundamentally flawed. Now, I'm, I'm just a bike guy, so for me, why should I care about the whole network? But I think the thing, the thing to think about here is if you're, if you're thinking about people, it's people on a bike, people in a train, people on a tram, on a bus... People in a car. So you've got to count the people and we've got to overcome, we've got to throw out this idea that we're counting vehicles. And you can see, whenever you see the Premier or the Treasurer on TV and they're talking about these road projects, you can see what they're thinking. They're thinking it's about vehicles. They're thinking we've got to move vehicles. And whether there's people in them or not doesn't seem to matter. <laughs> Now, if I go back to that Monash Freeway example that I gave you about all of that money they spent and they're only getting an extra 1,700 cars in two hours in peak hour, you think, my God, what a waste. That could not possibly have been a good project. But in fact, what we've left out and what I haven't spoken about is freight. If you go out onto the Monash, it's packed with trucks. 
So the Monash does pay for itself. The community probably has got good value for money from the M1 project because it's moving a vast amount of freight and that freight would be on our local streets or somewhere else if it wasn't on that freeway. So when you think about East-West, what you have to think about is was its genesis West-East? Is that how this crazy idea got started? Because if you thought about it as a freight route, you'd probably build the west and never build the east. So there's a really interesting argument here about the economics of this project and whether the model that we haven't seen yet includes the freight. So are they selling us an east-west solution that includes the west part of it when, in fact, they're only currently building the east part of it? because there's no way known from what I know and from any expert in transport, economics or planning that I've spoken to, that the East is uh, going to meet any benefit-cost ratio analysis. It's just not going to happen. There's no business case for the East. So how do we get, how do we get to this point? And, and why, do, why are we thinking in this way? And, and I'd like you to read that next point. What about the definition of path dependency because isn't that what we're seeing? We've been doing things this way for 40 years and it's become reflexive, it's automatic and no one's even thinking about it any longer. We're building freeways like this because we've built freeways like this. We, we've built a freeway which seems to have given us a couple of years of less congestion and we think that freeways solve congestion. Despite all the evidence and all the studies that we know from around the world and from in Australia, that building more roads does not solve congestion. That, that's a known, but people still keep doing it. And I think the reason is that you know, it's some sort of perverse psychology at work here. Now, this is the ugly part of my presentation, and that is there are, that the east-west is not only a threat for bicycle, for the future of Melbourne as a bicycle city, it's also an opportunity. And the reason for that is, is that some years ago, under the previous government, we managed to get this policy adopted where bikes would be a part of every infrastructure project doesn't matter whether it's a water pipeline or an arterial road in the outer suburbs or a major freeway, there will be bike provision associated with it. And it will be the same with the east-west. So if it gets built, there will be massive disruption to the bike network. Some of it might be permanent. But there will also be massive enhancement to the bike network. We expect the government to spend, if it goes ahead with the east-west and if the banks keep their blindfolds on and the project goes ahead, that th there'll be at least 20 million spent on improving bike infrastructure in Melbourne's inner north. Now, that'll be the biggest spurt in bike infrastructure that we've probably seen in, in a single intense period. So 
East-West could be a ruinous economic project, but may have a legacy of vastly improving Melbourne's bike network. Now, the interesting thing about that is, is that if everybody's predictions turn out to be valid and this project is an economic failure, one thing I do know is that all of those bike infrastructure <coughs> elements that are associated with East-West will be a success. It's a perverse outcome, but one I'll be proud of, we're, whether this thing goes ahead or not, we're going to make sure that if it is, if it does go ahead, that bikes will benefit. That's our job and that's what we're going to do. And, and quite likely, that'll be one of the few benefits out of this project. There may well be others. I expect that if the government builds this thing, there will be other enhancements to the you know, bus system and there'll be other things that can benefit from it. But the one thing I ask you to think about, finally, is if you were to take all of the government's subsidy that's going into this project, so we know that Abbott's going to put in $1.5 billion, and we know that the state government's going to have to put in a fair amount of cash. Even though it's a toll road, a large proportion of the cost of this project will be public money. It'll be taxpayers' money. So what you need to do is add up all of that money when we find out what it is and divide it by the additional travel that goes in the peak hour morning through that tunnel. So the cars, in addition to what travels in that corridor now. You take those vehicles, so if we, we know roughly, we've got to, we can probably guess, you know, maybe that's 8,000 cars or 10,000 cars in two hours, and then we divide that by the billions that the governments, that the taxpayers putting in, and that gives you, that'll give you the subsidy per trip, say over 30 years. And what we, we will discover from this is that this will be one of the biggest subsidies ever paid to any interest group in Australia. It will be a massive subsidy per trip on this project. But at the end of the day, if it delivers for bikes, I'm going to live with it. Thank you.